You are listening to episode 57 of the Playing Flop Podcast with Rita Hyland. Hello, I'm Rita Hyland, and you're about to discover what it means to position your business, career, and life to play full out. This show explores the way leaders just like you embrace and achieve their ambition without working harder or grinding it out any longer. So if you want to take your life, business, or career to a playing full out status and do so while being the happiest high performer in the room, then hang with me because this show shares everything you need to know using the best of neuroscience, transformational psychology, and a bit of spiritual wisdom to help you change fast, even when it's uncomfortable or scary, or you failed to do so in the past. All this so that you can enjoy more freedom and prosperity in your business and life. I'm happy you're here. friends. I wanted to discuss and provide some practical strategies today on a topic I have not addressed before. And it's coming up, of course, because of a conversation that I had in the past week, along with some observations that I have made on my own. Let me ask you this. Do you ever wonder how certain people accomplish so much or have time to take off extra days or have time for an entire evening with their families instead of going back to their home office after dinner and continuing to work. Often it can be easy for us to make up these assumptions that they must have a lot of extra help. They don't have as much responsibility. Maybe those individuals are not carrying their weight or maybe they've been blessed with some superpower, some time management gene that you have not. The truth is the reason others influence or contribute at higher levels or even work less, it's because they operate from a different set of habits. Yeah, we haven't discussed habits before, but it's important to understand that your problem is not a time problem. It's a habit problem. And one of the byproducts I believe of this last wild year is that habits that once existed have changed and or maybe they've gone away. They change because habits are first and foremost made up because of a cue that triggers them inherently. They just happen naturally. The most common cues are time and an existing activity. But for so many of us, our time has changed and looks different and our activities have changed, not entirely, but where they are located and how they show up. An example of an activity-based habit is that I'm betting that if you're like most, you wake up, that's your activity, and then you brush your teeth. No thought needed. It's a habit. That cue is the activity of waking up. The habit is you go and do something without thinking about it. There's tons of other habits that we have. It's the subconscious program that is at work and makes decisions before you're even making the decision consciously. Other habits are based on time. So maybe you used to go to work at a specific location and you had this meeting from eight to nine on Tuesdays and you always got your coffee right before. That was a habit that probably went on without a lot of thought. You got it done. For some, an activity-based habit is they wake up in the morning, they brush their teeth, and by six o'clock, they're at the gym. That is a time-based habit combined with an activity-based habit. Again, it doesn't come with a lot of thought. It's automatic. 
Your days are pretty similar every day because you are living them based on your habits. These are the decisions and actions that you do without even thinking about them. In order to improve our life, we want to improve and change our habits, but we often don't think about that. We don't think about what is the habit that I need in order to create what it is that I desire. And if we do think of it, we have to ask ourselves, why is it that I'm not doing what I know to do? Like I said, because so many things have changed in the last year as a result of the pandemic, and there has been a change in activity, there's been a change in the in the time cues, many good habits got dropped. This is what I'm observing. And then there have been ones that have just never been put in place that need to be put in place if you are to become the fulfilled, bold leader that you desire to be. Maybe you were someone who had a good system of habits, you exercised at a certain time, but then the clubs got changed, or you never had habits to drive where it is that you want to become. Whichever it is, I'm going to provide you with some practical nitty-gritty strategies on returning your habits and more specifically one habit that fulfilled bold leaders do that the hurried on leader does not. And that specifically is designing your days like the rock star and high-valued, high-contributor that you are. Here's the deal. Your habits equal your life. You are the sum total of your habits. That's why the self-discovery process or self-awareness process always begins by looking at your habits, both in decision-making and actions, in order to understand yourself. So what goes into the basis of our habits? The most important and significant basis of habits is your identity. Your identity is made up of your characteristics. It's your thoughts. It's it's your feeling. It's everything that's underneath who it is that you're being. Most importantly, your characteristics. I was talking to a successful woman last week who's clear that her annual goals for herself and her work are all down and locked and loaded. And she told me she was also aware of the critical few activities that would lead to the achievement of her one annual goal, specifically to sell her services at a more expanded, increased level. She's crystal clear on the daily habit that she needs to incorporate into her day, but she also recognized that she wasn't doing it. We didn't need to work on what's your vision. We didn't need to work on annual goals. We didn't need to look at what her her critical few were, those three things that make up the, the, the 20% of her work that is responsible for 80% of her results. She had that all down. She even had removed resistance and looked at that. But I'll go into that and, and include that here in, in terms of the steps in just a second. What we got down to specifically is that she was not performing the habit of personally connecting with her past clients in a way that goes beyond a stale postcard or a mass email. She knew that if she put a certain amount of time in consistently, that the the small habit would aggregate and build and compound on itself, and that there was no way then, no way, she said, that she couldn't hit her goal. She even had a very creative and wonderful means to doing this connection, this building of relationships that would bring happiness to her past clients and to her connections. This was all there. So then what was happening? As I said, we identified that she didn't have a habit in place. The step one, though, when you are starting to create a habit, specifically to build your and do your most important work, is step one is know your critical few. 
that most important work, like I said, the 20% that's responsible for the 80% in an earlier podcast, we identified this. There's an excellent Pareto principle exercise specifically around knowing what the tasks are that you do in a given day and what contributes to your biggest wins and successes in the past. And from the, going from there in order to identify it, there's like four f- steps in that. Go back. We'll put that in the show notes too. So make sure that you have access to that podcast. Once you've done step one, you know what's going to be the lever. You know that thing that's like the golf swing that when you just get one millimeter change in your wrist grip, that's going to have a totally different trajectory for your results and outcomes. The only thing now is that you have to do it. But before that, the step two that I want you to look at, and which I mentioned to you, is to identify any resistance to you following through. What would stop you from following through on making the one millimeter adjustment to increasing or building this habit? The more important question is, what is it that you don't want to feel? This helps you identify if you have any resistance. Because here's the deal. Resistance, well, it comes usually because of two things. You don't want to feel the feeling of, for most humans, the fear of rejection or the fear of inadequacy. So even if the cue exists... And the reward, which is another big feature of the habit, the reward exists that, as I said with my my person that I was having a conversation with, is that she knows she would hit this out of the out of the park if she did what she identified. But there was some resistance to her doing, even though the reward was so great, there was some type of pain that was larger. And so it's important, the pain is the resistance and to understand what is your resistance. Because once you identify the resistance and you shine the spotlight on it, it dissipates its its intensity by about 80%. It's huge. So while she had already done some of her work around moving through the resistance and being afraid that someone will be annoyed or reject her because of her reaching out in these connections, she didn't need to look at it as much. But we did bring it back up just so that she could spot like, you know, that, you know what, my intention is to bring happiness and make someone's life easier. And it's more important at this time when people are dying for connection, who are starving for meaningful concern. That was more important to her and for her to make a contribution than it was for her to sit and stew in her fear of rejection, of potential rejection. So she made that she could move through her fear and any resistance that she had once she knew this. So then again, it comes down to why would she not sit down and, and do what she knows to help spread her services? She simply wasn't in the habit of doing it now that she was in her back in her new environment after a year, actually, but with things having changed and the remote working and learning and all that goes into that. So she created step three, a new habit. Now, before we begin into this, I want you to understand that there are different types of habits. There are ones that are based on hitting a goal like running a marathon, that is a goal-based habit that you create the habit of running and practicing a certain amount every day until the marathon. And I believe at least some of the marathon, a lot of marathon runners, I know they give up running after they've hit their running goal of running the marathon. Those are part of the limitations of having a very goal-based habit. Or say someone loses, says they want to lose 10 pounds, and then they drop the habit. Habits are about lifestyle, right? About creating it so that it's a part of a lifestyle. Another basis for a habit and the one that truly transforms, the one that I 
teach, the one that transforms for a long time and is sustainable change is the identity-focused habit. And the identity is synonymous with who you are, how you live. It's your lifestyle, who you're being. Your characteristics make up your identity. And when you approach changing or adding a habit, you focus on forming behaviors that match the characteristics of the type of person you want to become. You have that identity and you have that identity in in advance because you need to have those habits aggregate, compound, and build. Yes, your identity informs what habits you will make. And then your habits are, as we said, your outcomes. They are your results. They are your life. The habits necessary to reach your chosen identity are informed by the characteristics of the identity that you choose. Let's just put this in a story. Let's, let's, let's make this a little more concrete. Let's say you have a goal to solve a problem in your organization or to contribute an initiative. You determine that someone who leads and influences at this level must respect their time and keep to a plan or a calendar that consistently drives this most important initiative. Therefore, you become the identity of that person who respects their calendar. You decide that the habits of that kind of a person is identifying their top three, critical few each day. They they know them before they even walk in. They maintain an hour each week to schedule their week. And in 30 and even 15-minute increments, they they know what it is that they're getting done. They say no to more. And that is what a well-maintained schedule looks like. So they hold to a well-maintained schedule as opposed to life happening to them. That is what the level or the identity of the of the person that you must become for most people in advance. So over time, what happens is continuing to perform the well-maintained calendar or sticking to the schedule leads to overall increase and success of the initiative. Yes? The same is true if you're someone who, let's go back to the example of you want to get, complete your work at 5.30 every evening so that you can have a balanced life with your family and not be involved in all the self-sacrifice. You would have the identity of a leader who respects and maintains his calendar and makes that a habit, a part of the lifestyle. This doesn't have to hope happen overnight. A habit doesn't. A habit is built. The subconscious reprogramming is another way to talk about a habit, but let's stick with habit. A habit is built by the consistent repetition of it for 21 days to a habit. It's the consistent repetition of it. And it's doing the habit in advance of achieving the experience that creates its ultimate success or the realization. In the case of the woman that I mentioned, she realized she wasn't in the habit of building these relationships. And she knew she had to to lead from the identity of a person who owns a business that is the significant leader in the tri-state. Does that person value her services and her time in the way that my client does? For you, that's the same question. Would the person who has achieved what you want have the habit you currently have of letting the day guide them, of being reactive, of saying, I have to do this work? When you look at your goals for the year or the quarter or the week or even this day, would someone who has already achieved or is experiencing what you desire operate from these same habits 
And if the answer is no, then the next question is, what habits does the person have? What does that person do? What I love is if I ever ask a person or I listen to what these people, the successful do, or those who are easily achieving what they desire, is that like, it's just who I am. I don't, I don't eat that. It's just, it's just not what I do. Exercise at 5 a.m., it's just what I am. It's just who I am. I don't even think about it. Doing my highest, most important impact work from, from, from six to eight every morning before I get into the office, it's just who I am. It's just what I do. I've just done it forever. I don't even know any different. It is, it's, it's a part of me. It is my identity. Does that make sense? So you want to identify the identity of that person that you're becoming and start operating and, and using and employing the habits. The only reason someone has something that you don't have is because they have a higher standard in that area than you. They've created a higher standard habit based on their identity, which includes their, again, their thoughts about themselves, their characteristics, and what they're going to hold. They inform themselves of the identity and then how they're going to become that. That is specifically, as I was talking about, one tiny habit is maintaining your calendar, designing your week and day. That habit, if they ever did it, may have broken down for many because we're no longer operating with the same cues that we once did. So I'm going to give you some very specific steps to build your habit. And the reason I had to have all this early conversation is because strategy is like a tenth of the, of the significance or the power behind anything. It is not, and I don't want to misdiagnose. I think the bane of our existence is that we misdiagnose problems and start working on a certain area of a problem when that's not really the problem. And, and so we're fixing things based upon random symptoms when really the diagnosis is inaccurate and it's really that we, we don't have a time problem and have to get more off of our desk. We have a identity problem, right? We have a habit problem. And so I can see people, I've said this before, who continue to get tons of stuff off their desk and get more people to work for them. And still, that does not change because they haven't changed their identity and the habits that they have. They have not held to calendaring their system. If there's new clients that come in, they take them and then they have no respect or regard for their calendar. Yes? Here we go, though, I'm going to give you some strategy on redesigning your day, which I will admit does, once you're ready for that step, as my client was, that it is absolutely imperative that you do, is systematizing your life such that there's no way that you won't intersect with what it is and where you want to head. Step one, as we've talked about throughout the week and weekend, have a running list of all the things you need to do both personally and professionally. This is like your white piece of paper that where you're always dumping your head's garbage so that you can have white space in your mind. On this paper is everything from taking the kids to an extracurricular activity, sending an email to a client, scheduling appointments, dentist, whatever. It's a complete dump of everything. You can track this throughout the week so that you don't miss things that you know they're cared for, that they'll be attended to. Step two in this place of redesigning your day is really where the habit begins. And it it requires this one step, scheduling one full hour, the same one hour every week, I would say cued to a specific time. It could be linked with the activity of your coffee and time on Monday morning at 8 a.m. Some like to do it Sunday morning before the family wakes. But whatever time it is, it must be cued to a time and preferably an activity, as I said, 
and you spend that hour engaged in this redesigning your week process. Step three is begin by pulling your calendar that may have your existing times in it for appointments, client meetings, organizational or team meetings. This is where you're, you're going to have your dentist appointments, your extracurriculars. I make sure I have every single solitary thing in there. If it's that I'm going to exercise at a certain time, that's booked in there. I'm making a meal and, and, and being with my family every day from five to eight. That's booked in there. Nothing gets booked over this time, right? And of course, there's driving, kid doing activity or something, but that my time is not spent on something else. That's a choice and you calendar it. We'll get to the next step. Simple. Everyone can do that, right? Step four here is book two hours every day where you are doing nothing but your highest impact work or those critical few. For me, that time is nine to 11. I don't start my meetings or any other work before 11. I've got my two hours, my high focus, my high impact work, the part that only my zone of genius, the thing that only I can do, right? That's what's in this time that's nine to 11. Like I said, I've got executives that will do their highest impact work from six to eight, and they're already done with their high impact work for the day as they move into, it's the time where they have the highest focus. It's known that your cognitive ability decreases as the day goes on. Be aware and have a high regard and value for your time as though you are someone that you admire and who has the identity of the person who already does what you do. What does, what does Sarah Blakely do? Would she do this? Would she let someone else just run into her office or interrupt? Would Edgar Allan Poe write like this? Would, I don't know, if you're an innovator, would Steve Jobs innovate like this? If you don't know specifically the habits that a person like that would have, that has, who has what you want of that identity, then, then ask yourself, what would this person do? What is the identity? What's the habit of this, this person? Step five is to fill in the smaller tasks around those critical moments in increments of even 15 minutes. If you have to go get the, or spend 15 minutes online to order a, a birthday present and that's on your, your ginormous list, then book that time in. What I find is the overwhelm comes from so many things, so much noise. And that we are focusing on too many things at one time by placing and dumping everything on a paper and knowing that it's been captured and that you're already booked your one hour that you're going to spend time with it and organize it and make sure that it fits into your five days of that week. You can let go. You can relax. Now, some people will say, well, Rita, what if it doesn't fit into those five days? It's called prioritization. But regardless, you know that you every single day of this year, at least five days a week, you will be doing your highest impact work because you've created the habit, the identity-based habit of a person who already has what it is that you become by doing this next step, step six is to stick to your calendar. Stick to your calendar, respect your calendar. It's already been done for you. Many people will calendar and then will let life fall all over them. If it's time to stop that activity and you haven't finished it, then that's something to book into the next week. But it isn't really about renegotiating your calendar all week. There are also places where you can have booked white space for any overflow or for things that come up. These are all things that should be built into a week. Let's review. Step one, continually have a white piece of paper where you're dumping and capturing all that you need to capture of the things that you need to do both personally and professionally. Step two, schedule on your book right now this game-changing activity of a certain hour every single week that's queued up with a time, if it is for you, for me, it's Monday morning, and have it already completed. Step three, 
pull your calendar with all of its existing dates. This can be a electronic calendar. It can be a paper calendar. It does not matter. And that's the great news. You don't have to be tied. I will let you know that I use both, but specifically for doing this block calendaring and maintaining my calendar, I have the full focus calendar, which can be bought on Amazon. I've tried a million. I really like this one. I plan my life based in quarters, not years. So this is a quarterly program and journal or planner that I use. I also find that's really fabulous is having, I have a larger piece of paper that has the seven days. So once I've I've blocked everything, I can look at it easily. It's a fabulous visual for me that I have written out. So I know how the whole day flows and it's just bam, bam, bam. Let's get it done. Warren Buffett is known for saying really successful people say no to almost everything. We've got to get better. And that is the step six of saying no to things. Holding an appointment with ourselves like we would for you know, the Queen of England. Yeah? That's the level of regard. That's the level of identity of a person who's act might be performing what it is that you desire and who respects that they want what they want this year. My other tool that I might use when I'm in my two-hour heavy focused, heavy impact work time and creative time is that I have a cube, which I've appreciated, that has five minutes, 15 minutes, 30-minute increments. So it sort of wakes me up. It keeps me on track. It's like, have I progressed these last 15 minutes like I wanted? That's also can be purchased from Amazon. We'll put these in the show notes that you have access to them. The key is, is that you know, you know the steps, you know the practical thing is, are you willing to build the habit? You know the strategy, are you willing to build the habit? This is what I want you to do. It doesn't matter if the habit is to redesign your weekend day, but that is one that's fallen off for many people. Whatever habit it is, the question is to know, and this is your call to action, to choose your habit. And if you did that and committed to it every single day would help you unleash your most amazing year this year. What small 1% that if you improved it today and every single day, like James Clear suggests in his book, Atomic Habits, which is worth the read, a 1% improvement today will help you improve by 37%. If you just compound a 1% improvement every single day, it's the small things, small, meaningless, what we would otherwise seem insignificant things done day in and day out that create our life. Yes. For right now, imagine if you would one last thing that it's May 30th and you've created over these three months what you wanted to create this year. You can do that. What one habit when you committed to it would help you reach your goal by May 30th. Yeah. What one habit, if you just did one thing, this one thing every single day till May 30th, you would blow your entire year out of the water. You wouldn't need to take a three week vacation or a month long sabbatical because you stop your work at 530 every single day. You wouldn't be experiencing the fatigue. A habit consistently done is what moves the needle. So you might say, well, I can't get rid of all this off of my desk. No, but if you 1% increased, it got rid of one account and reassigned that one account every single day, you might. Yeah. We've talked about giving yourself permission. It's the small things. Take your time. Be patient with yourself. Give yourself grace. But know this, you're not the person that you were before you even started listening today. You're taking on a new identity. In order to unleash ourselves and to impact the world like is beckoned and needed at this time, 
from leader just like you that requires you to build some new habits and encourage you to make a game-changing move this week ever so small though. And then I will talk to you next week in our next podcast. Thank you for being with me today. By you listening to this, it tells me you're interested in growing yourself and likely not just for yourself, but to positively influence others as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share this with your friends and colleagues. When leaders like you grow yourself and then grow others, we all are positively impacted. If you have questions, I'm here to answer them and may even use them in our upcoming podcasts. Go ahead. You can send those questions to Breakthrough at RitaHighland.com. Remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the full version of you at play. I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. 